Praise the Lord. Are you blessed? Yes? Mm. Amen. Are you transformed? Process, process. Process, yes, indeed, process. As Christians, we are already gone through a process. Yes? And the process we've already gone through is we're born again. But there is so much more. Is it me or is it you? It's you, okay. There's so much process we have to go through. So today I want to speak to you about change is a process. Change, transition, transformation. We've heard so much in the last few months about transition. Since I arrived in October, the word transition, new beginning, has been coming forth again and again and again. And I've been praying about it and asking the Lord to really just um, make it more clear to us. We are in, I want you to imagine we are in an incubator. The word incubator. And so much happens within the incubator. <clears throat> Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 3. Just one verse. And I want to base my message on this verse of scripture. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18. Thank you, Father. Verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. <coughs> now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is liberty. Can you truly say that you have liberty living on the inside of you? Can you truly say that the Spirit of the Lord is living on the inside of you? Or do you really maybe don't understand the fullness of it? Okay, some don't. When the Spirit of the Lord comes into your heart, there is liberty. 
When the spirit of the Lord is on the inside of you, you will dance, you will shout, you will sing, you will praise, you will raise your hands without being asked. When the spirit of the Lord lives on the inside of you, your mindset changes, your attitude changes, your conversation changes. When the spirit of the Lord lives on the inside of you, you become like Christ, you become Christ-like. Amen. Amen. You become Christ-like. When you become Christ-like, it radiates, it shows, it is seen. People don't have to look for it. It's there, it's, it comes, it's a natural thing because it's a part of you. And God wants to transform us into this wonderful, beautiful being like Christ. Amen. Amen. And the beauty of it is this, that we cannot enter into heaven with this earthly body. Amen. Amen. We cannot enter in with this earthly body. This body has to go back to the dust and be transformed. So transformation continues from the day you were conceived. From the day we conceived in the womb transformation, from the day we entered into the womb of our parents, our mother carried us, we were transformed. Eyes came, ears, nose, hands, feet, senses, brain, transformation. And then when we come out of the womb, again, it continues. We learn discipline. We learn to speak. We learn to walk. The five senses then come into action. When you stop to think the beauty of God and what he has done for us, and we become a human being with everything needed for, to live in this world. But we cannot take this body and all our senses and all our, you know, what we have gathered on the way, on that journey of life into heaven. So there comes to be another transformation. There will be another transformation. And that transformation is, this goes to the dust, but the soul transformed itself and goes into glory. Isn't that a beautiful thing to, to be thinking about? <clears throat> we as children of the Most High God, the Bible is quite clear when it says we must throw off attitudes that are not right. We become so worldly, we get embroiled in the things of this world, you know, we all have testimonies of what we used to be like in the world. But when the day that you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were automatically transformed. The past is gone. No more can you say, I used to be a liar, I don't do that anymore. We have testimonies to say, I used to steal, I don't steal no more. We have testimonies to say, I used to go certain places, I don't go there anymore. We should never, ever be ashamed of our testimonies. 
Our testimony is what gives us the character that God wants to build on the inside of us. Amen. So why do we need to be transformed? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die on Calvary's cross for us so that we can be transformed one day to go to be with him in glory. If you don't want to go to glory, then you don't need to be here. If you don't want to experience the feeling, you don't need to be here. But we are all in this incubator. So let's see, what is the, the transition that we're going through as a church? The process of a period of change from one state or one condition to another is the meaning of transformation. The church needs to be equipped, but it also needs to be transformed. And we, right now, I like the way uh, Dave said it, we're like nomads, journeying in this tabernacle. But every stage we reach is a transformation. Every place you're in right now, in the workplace, it's building character in you. It's taking out things that you have within you that you don't even know about yourself. But God knows about it and he's placed you in a very hot situation so that you can be transformed. Have we all been there? Yes. Amen. 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 There are times in your workplace where you think, why am I here? I don't want to be here. I just want to leave and go somewhere else. But you have to stay and go through the process. You are in the incubator of change. Amen. There are situations in your lives that you may have wondered. As a teenager, I left the church at 16, went into the world. That was where I learned an awful lot. Many of us have had the experiences that we have been in the world and it's damaged, it's bruised as we came out. By the time we got back into the church, we were bruised, we were battered, we were sore. And the bruises that we receive sometimes leave scars. Sometimes it leaves shame. I'm so ashamed. But you know, the gospel is so pure, it is so rich, that it will never bring you to shame. It will never put you to shame. No matter what you have been through, you are a child of the Most High God. No matter what your journey has been, you are the most beautiful person on the face of the earth. Amen? Amen? Because Jesus' blood was shed for us so that we can be transformed from sin. And when we are transformed, then that light radiates from us. That's why we sing and we shout and we say hallelujah. Because we have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. We've been freed by the blood of the Lamb. So therefore we have got... <laughs> because of the blood that was shed and now it's brought us freedom we can get excited I want to see you excited I want to see you shout and be joyful in the house of the Lord 
I want to see you go mad as David danced in the house of the Lord. Because we have a cause to shout about. Because of where we're coming from. True, truly. If we went around the room and realized where people are coming from, but they're actually here in the church today, we can truly say, my God, how did they make this journey? And still survive. Transformation. It's a changeover. Transform means we must be changed, not our appearance. Oh, yes, even our appearance. When we're in the world, we wear heavy makeup. <laughs> oh, yes. Because you have to be seen with the in crowd. So the makeup becomes heavy and thick. The hot pants in the 70s. <laughs> now you can relate to me. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yes, the halter necks. Oh, yes. The tight jeans, wedge platforms. Okay, I'm, I'm a 70s girl, so I can just tell you what we did. Okay. In my mother's days, it was the 50s, and it was all flared skirts out here, you know? But look at what happened. We acted like them. We dressed like them. Yes? We wore clothes to show that we are connected to them. We drank, even though we didn't like the alcohol, we drank. Even though we didn't like the spirits, but we still, to be part of the crowd, we did it. We smoked. It's good, you know, when the truth comes out, everybody starts repenting. I didn't. You did. Okay. We smoked cigarettes, even though it was horrible. Left smell on your clothes, your hair. You smoked cigarettes. To be accepted. To be accepted. We walked in stiletto heels to be accepted. Yeah? Some of you were teddy boys. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> to be accepted by the world. And when you become a Christian now, the transformation has taken place and sometimes we are ashamed to say we are Christian. We're supposed to be Christ-like. Hear me, church. You are not ashamed to be a part of Satan's clan. You are not ashamed. We went about it in the best way possible. We lived the life. We paid the price. We have the scars in our memories of what happened. Now we've come to Christ, we seem to be too embarrassed or too ashamed to shout hallelujah. Yes, we do. When we get to heaven, there will be a singing, shouting, and worship. Amen. 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 
angels bow before him and they cry, holy, holy, holy are you Lord. What do you think you're going to do when you get there? The same. So you've got to learn to do it here. There is nothing called silence in heaven. There is no silence in heaven. The Bible says day and night they worship God. Day and night they bow before him. Day and night they gave him reverence. Day and night they worship and said, you are holy, O Lord, you are holy. There is none like you. Here on earth we struggle to say, Lord, I bless your holy name. I see the beauty of the sunshine, the rain yesterday. Thank you for it, Lord. Everything has a purpose. God created everything. He created all things. But one thing you and I are created for, and that is to worship God. And you will have to give an account why you didn't do it when you get there. So when we get here on a Sunday, we come to worship. We come to praise him. We come to say, Lord, you have kept me. You have kept me. I could have died many a times, but I'm still standing here. I give him praise. I give him praise for the breath that I breathe. I give him praise for the husband he's given to me. I give him praise for the sons he's given to me. My granddaughter, I give him praise for. That's my family. Now you are my family. I give God praise for you. But I want to see the anointing upon your life. I want to see the Holy Spirit moving on the inside of you. I want to see you charged up with the anointing so great that when you open your mouth, miracles must happen. Jesus said to his disciples, wait in the incubator. That was the upper room. When you wait there, he said, I will enjoy you with power. The incubator is so important. He said, I will enjoy you with power. So they waited in the incubator. They waited in that room. But while they were waiting, they were in prayer. They prayed. They waited because they expected something. How many of you come expecting on a Sunday to see the power of God move? How many just come and say, well, I'm going to church because it is my duty. It's just what I do on a Sunday. But I want you to know you're missing out on the best parts. You're missing out on the part that Jesus shed his blood for us to inherit. I want to see miracles. I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see when I pray for the sick, they're healed. That's my experience. That's what I am, you know, doing all of this for. Not for my own gain, but I want people's lives to be touched and changed and transformed. Hope is in the incubator right now. This church is in an incubator. And the Holy Spirit is waiting until we get our act together in order for us to be endured with power from on high. Just as the day of Pentecost. 
When the Spirit fell upon the disciples, the Bible is quite clear. It says they went out and preached the gospel. They didn't just preach, but they healed the sick. They raised the dead. We can't do that, really. Do you really believe we can do that? Do you really believe we can raise the dead? Do you really believe that souls can be healed and delivered and set free? What you believe is what you receive. If you don't believe when you pray for someone, they'll be healed. They won't be healed. Your faith and their faith together brings about the miracle. I don't pray for anyone if they really don't believe that prayer can work. That's the first question. Do you believe? Do you have faith to believe? Jesus asked the same question. Your faith shall make you whole. Or do you have faith to believe? If you don't have faith, there is no point in coming for prayer. Because we're just wasting our breath, energy and time. This is serious, church. Here in this area of Perivale, Greenford, North Greenford, whatever you want to call it, souls are crying out. I'm just standing here in the spirit and the Lord is saying there are many souls right now in this area that is crying out to him for help. There are people here, domestic violence taking place all around this area. People are depressed. Alcoholics. Many young people are on drugs. Many have no money for food. This is the community we live in. Do you think if Jesus was on this earth and he, he had a community like this, he would just be sitting here looking on a Sunday? No. We need to be praying, Lord, how can we reach these people? How can we make a difference in this community? What do you want us to do? He directs us. We don't just go off and do it by ourselves. When God is leading, the work is well done. When the Spirit of the Lord leads you to do something, hear him, ask for a confirmation, and then move out in the Spirit and do whatever he has called you to do. Did you hear me? Ask, you will receive. When you receive, you ask for confirmation. When you get the confirmation, you move. If you don't have a confirmation, you stand still. So, what does the Bible say about transformation? Hope, we are a church on the move. We are a church that is changing. We are a church that is in transition, transitional period. We are a church that is being transformed by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is waiting. He's waiting for us to really get to this point where we are so transformed, he will just come in and zap us. And I'm excited about it. I want to see you excited. I want to see the joy of the Lord on your faces. I want to see your heart. I want to feel your heart. When I greet you, I want to feel your heart saying, praise the Lord. 
Yes? My heart and your heart should connect. I want my heart to connect with your heart. Otherwise, we are not one in the spirit. We can't be one in the spirit if our hearts are not the same. One heart, one mind. Amen? Amen. Amen. It may be harsh to you, but there is a transition taking place here. I feel it, I sense it, this transition. And we need to wake up and come to the point where we can shout. People are coming in. When they come in, they want to see vibrant worship. They want to see it. They want to feel it. They want to say, truly, it was good for me to be here today because I feel and I sense the spirit of the Lord. The love is here. I've experienced the love. The love is here, but you need to go another stage. We need to step it up a little bit more. The spirit of the Lord is hovering. It's hovering. He said, when you worship, I will deliver. In worship, God can touch you. While you are worshiping, you can be healed. While you are praising him, you can receive. You don't have to be touched by another human being. The spirit of the Lord can do it. This is what transformation is all about. <coughs> Being transformed. Another incubator that we need as Christians to be is our closet. Our closet is the most vibrant place to be. Your closet can be your car. Your closet can be your bedroom. Your closet can be your, 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 you know, your study. Wherever you find quiet time, it is your study, your closet. Now, when you get into your closet, it's just you and the Spirit of the Lord. That's the most important place to be, to be transformed. Because when you get into your closet, your prayer life grows. It increases. When your prayer life grows and increases, the Spirit of the Lord then says, yes, she's reached. Yes, he has come. And when you've got to that place, the Spirit of the Lord says, now I can pour everything into you. Amen. If you don't go into your closet, saints, what are you doing? You'll be empty, you'll be weak. When the battles come, you wouldn't know how to fight them. We are on this earth, but every day is a battle. When you leave the enemy, do you think he leaves you alone? No, he doesn't. When you leave him and say, goodbye world at your baptism, I'm no longer with you. That's when he says, you see her? Stop her getting into the kingdom. Stop her from going to preach the gospel. Stop her, prevent her. That's what he says to his demons. Wake up. And then you think, well, why am I sick? Why can't I pray? Why is my, my mind bombarded with all of this, you know, um, problems? And all you see then is the problem and you get depressed. No, saints, that's not what God wants of you. God wants you to be strong in the spirit and in the power of his might. Yeah. That's how he wants you to be. That when you open your mouth, they come out like pearls. Yeah. 
The word of God just flows like pearls and it touches someone. When you open your mouth to speak, always have, the Bible says, a word. A verse of scripture should be always at the tip of your tongue. When that verse of scripture is on the tip of your tongue, someone comes to you that day and they stand before you and immediately that word brings comfort. That's how we ought to be. So the incubator can be various things. And that's where transformation takes place. The incubator, your closet, your prayer room, is the best place to receive transformation. There, the Spirit of the Lord strips you. And you will cry, and you will moan, and you will really travail. Some of you need to learn to travail. Travail. Cry out to God. Travail. When you don't understand, go to God and travail. Well, what on earth does it mean? I can hear someone saying this. What does it mean? It means when you pour out your soul, when you cry, when the tears run down your cheeks and you're crying out to God and travailing and you feel the pain deep down in your stomach, in the pit of your stomach, and say, Lord, I can't take it anymore. Why? Why? Why has, is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? It's for your learning. It's for your transformation. Yes? Some of you have been divorced. How hard was that? How hard and how painful. But you are here today. You have overcome. You've overcome. Some of you, you may have been alcoholics. You have overcome. Don't be ashamed of where you've been because that is your testimony. That's your journey. Talk about it because it wasn't you who brought yourself out. It was the Lord. He brought you through. Transformation. We are on a journey of being transformed. Transformation. Lives begin to change. Your outlook begins to change. When your outlook begins to change, you see things in a different light. You see yourself in a different light. You see others in a different light. We don't put ours down, we raise them up. Amen? Amen. We don't say hurtful words, we say words that are soothing. We don't swear, we don't use foul language. The Bible tells us about it. Therefore, everything that comes out of our mouth should be sweet. It's not what comes out, it's what goes in that defiles you. For it is in the power of God, it is the gospel that brings salvation. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Look at this man, Paul. His name was Saul. He was a murderer. He murdered Christians. He thought he was doing good. 
But Jesus never cast him away. God never cast him out. In fact, he said, I have need of you. Do you understand? The transformation that God is doing on the inside of you is because he has need of you. If you hold on to your testimony, then you can't be used. Every one of us should have a desire within us to preach the gospel. Not just the pastors, not just the leaders, each individual Christian, we have a commission to preach the gospel. We have a commission to go and tell the good news. Look what Jesus has done for me. I was a murderer, but look what God has done for me. I was this, look what God has done for me. You all have a testimony. Look how God transformed Saul. And look at the work he has done. Great works. You can do it too. Amen. Don't underestimate the power of God on the inside of you. You have great power. You have great intellect because the Holy Spirit can give you everything. I have had jobs that I didn't even know I could even find or get. But when I went in prayer, I said, Lord, I need this, I need that, I need that. I need to have this wisdom, I need to have that wisdom. I got the job. You need to ask. You said, ask anything and I will give it. So I'm asking. Take God at his word. Let's move on about the incubator. It's a holding place. When we are in the incubator, we are protected just like the baby is in the womb. We are protected when we're in our prayer closet because we're in the incubator with the Holy Spirit. But the time will come when you come out of the incubator and the Lord will then say to you, it is time to arise and shine. Yes. For your light has come. And the glory, hear the word, of the Lord he wouldn't just let you out without equipping you. The church needs to be equipped. When we come out of the incubator situation, we will be equipped, ready to work, ready to move, ready to run, ready to go for the Lord, ready to carry the good news, ready to go out in our communities and make some changes. Get excited. It's coming. Get excited. Amen. You're never too old, Gwen. <laughs> never too old. Your face is... No, Gwen, you are never too old. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, Gwen. It is time. Yes. We'll run after you. You go for we'll go after. It is time to come out of the incubator. For the Lord has placed, and this is what the Lord has said. And I want you to grasp it today. The Lord has placed gifts within each and every one of us. Do you know your gifts? Or are you still searching, asking the Lord, what am I here for? What is it that you want me to do? Each person has been gifted. Even though you come on a Sunday and you just sit down, you still have a gift. Yes. 
Each person has a gift. And that gift is to reach someone else. I challenge you today to know your gifts, know your calling, and pray on it, act on it. When we are being transformed, we have to learn to put off the old man. Old man. The old man. When you walk in the spirit, you see things through the spirit. How many of you want to see through the spirit? Yes. Yes. When you see through the spirit, you see the old man operating. When you walk in the spirit, the Holy Spirit will show you and tell you things that you wouldn't know naturally. The gift of prophecy is good because the Bible says above all, discern the gift of prophecy. But when you walk with God, like Enoch walked with God, nobody need tell you anything because the Holy Spirit will tell you. Because you are on the same wavelength as him. He's in you and you in him. So he will reveal to you the things that you need to know. And when he tells you, you really need to write them down. Because when you go back to them, you see how the pattern is formed. How the Lord has led you to be where you are today. Being in, in the incubator is a time for reflecting. Being in the incubator is a time for great transformation of the body, mind, soul and spirit. When you're in the incubator, you can come out healed. Amen? Healed. <laughs> Give me a mic. Is the battery on? It's gone off, yeah. You left this on too long. Thank you. Give me another one. The flow, Holy Spirit, the flow, the flow, the flow. What long. Thank you. Good old fashioned ways they work. Is it? Is it? Okay, it's in there. Thank you. Oh, that's better. It's fancy stuff, modernization. Anyway, the incubator. How many of you feel that you're in an incubator? Let me see your hands. Do you feel you're in an incubator? Not yeah. Praise God. Yes. It's a holding place where the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to share his heart with you. I'm coming to you. Not only that, but the incubator period is a cleansing. It's a sanctification. It's a purifying. The most purest thing is being in your mother's womb, in that incubator. Let me show you one man, and I'll be finishing soon. 
Joseph. Do you all know about the story of Joseph? Joseph, well, you can say he was kidnapped by his brothers and sent to Egypt. But even though an injustice was done to the naked eye, it was the will of God. Yes? It was the will of God. Thank you. Now, he was put into Egypt by his brothers because of jealousy. And because of that, the brothers thought they were harming him. But in fact, they did him a justice. It was good. Joseph had a dream. And the dream was, he said, I saw you all bowing down before me. Really? Oh, we, ain't gonna be, we won't be doing that. Therefore, we're going to kidnap him and we're going to get rid of him because the father loved him so much. You see, the spirit of jealousy has affected each and every one of us in our lives. Whether it's family, whether it's friend, whether it's an individual, people just get jealous. Jealous of what you've got, jealous of what you have. But in the house of the Lord, there's no need to be jealous. Each and every one of us can have the gifts. Yes. There's no need to be jealous. There's enough. I alone can't reach the community around here. Dave alone can't do it. We can't transform this church. But the Spirit of the Lord can. And each one of us have the Spirit of the Lord living on the inside of us. So you feast on it, you draw it out. But even in that situation, he was put into Egypt, and then Jezebel raised her ugly head. Yes, Potiphar's wife wanted him to lie with her. Come into my bed, let's have a relationship. But this man said, no, I must remain pure, and I must remain holy. Many of us have said we have succumbed sometimes in the world because of that. And when we succumb, we end up with all sorts. But Joseph said, no, because I know my God, the God that I serve. So with that, he was put into prison. Many, sometimes we say, well, why am I going through this? Or why am I there in this prison? The reason is God has put you there to teach you something. So he went there, but there were so many things that he learned there. Seven things that Joseph learned while he was in Egypt, even though he suffered. I want you to take your past and see what you have learned from it. Because it was your journey, but you are here today because you have learned from it. Joseph learned. As I, yes, every one of us faces adversities in our lives. He learned acceptance. He learned how to accept, one, the situation he was in. He didn't cry out, why me, why me? 
But he learned to accept the circumstances because it helps you through the trials. He accepted the status as a slave, but he became the governor. You see, sometimes we are bought God's plan in our life because we want to get out of it. And then it takes longer for God to teach us what he wants us to know. Let it take its course. He learned, number two, hard work. Joseph didn't seek to determine those who enslaved him, but he actually helped them to prosper. And this happened in the house of Potiphar and also in the prison. They are in turn recognized, even in the prison, the, the, the governor recognized his talents. Wherever God places you, when he places you there, not when you walk yourself and go there, but when God places you in a situation, you will be recognized by others. Because the favor of God is upon you. Number three, he learned patience. That's a hard one. Will you really have me in this prison so that I can learn patience? Yes, he will. He learned patience. Patience. Well, we're not moving on. Nope, things are too hard. Things are difficult. Let us get out of this. No, stay. Pray it through. Joseph knew the Lord would bless him because of his dreams. So he endured these trials with patience, knowing the blessings would come. Do we know God enough in our lives to know that the Lord himself will not put us to shame? God will never put his children to shame. He learned integrity. How else are you going to learn patience and integrity in this life? If you don't go through the trials, that's the only way you can learn. Number five. That's a big one. Humility. Joseph learned humility. He also learned to bless others. And most of all, forgiveness. Now, how else was Joseph going to be prepared if he had not gone to Egypt, if he had not gone to Potiphar's house, if he didn't go to prison? Am I making it clear to you? The situations we go through in life is the learning experience, it's the incubator experience that God will have us to go through in order to bring us out as pure gold. Amen? Amen. 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 I'm going to stop there. In two weeks, I come back and I will finish this message. Because we are in a transition for a purpose. We are being transformed. This church is being transformed. <sighs> the Bible says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and die, it abides alone. Mm -hmm. See yourself as a wheat, a grain. Get down into your closets 
and let the Lord kill all the things that are of the world, the wrong attitudes, the wrong mentalities. Let us move on as a church with power. Amen. But the Holy Spirit leading us as we go, taking control of every situation. We have such authority. Speak with authority. Use the authority God has given to us in order to bring the transformation that is needed for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives and in our church and in this community. Amen. Amen. Before we end, Esther, please come. And I ask Esther to prepare a poem this week. And it is so beautiful. I just want you to hear... It's all about change. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. This poem is called Lord Jesus the Game Changer. The Christ came to earth to effect changes to both Jews and Gentiles. To change our way of life, yeah, to love the unloved, to feed the hungry, to make the unhealthy well, to redeem us from the evil one, to change idolatry into faith. On the day of his baptism, he sent him the Holy Spirit, praying Jesus is the remedy of the ministry. Jesus' life was in a constant flux. Water changed into wine for the merriment of the wedding guests. Women 